You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. I am Mark Holcraft, your host for this morning, and we are moving along. We're cooking. We just had Sister Lynn Marie of the Presentation Sisters in Sioux Falls join us, and you would never know she is retired. She was filled with energy, and the more she got talking about Catholic social teaching, she was coming to life. (laughs) It was great. And I have to say, you know, every once in a while, in the different segments we do, there's just a one-liner that stands out. And from the last half hour, the one-liner that stood out to me from Sister Marie was, uh, the truth is not subject to us, we are subject to it. That is powerful. And that's, that's one of those anchor lines, if you will. It's just, it's an anchor for us. Um, our next guest is Jim Kenyon. He's the Executive Director of Catholic Social Services uh, in Rapid City. Uh, good morning, Jim. Good morning, Mark. Glad to be here. Well, thanks for joining us. Jim, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am uh, actually started years and years ago as a seminarian for the Diocese of Rapid City, and, and um, I have an undergraduate in philosophy and a minor in theology, and I went on to get a master's in counseling um, and have spent the last 30 years as the Executive Director of Catholic Social Services in Western South Dakota. I um, have five kids. have an exciting event coming up this summer. My my son's going to complete the task that I that I didn't, and he'll be ordained a deacon. So oh, congratulations! A lot of exciting things going around, going on in the Kenyan household. Well, what's your son's name? Robert Kenyon. Robert Kenyon. I just invite our listeners to please keep Robert Kenyon in prayer as he's preparing for the the diaconate. You said next spring is that when he'll be ordained? Yeah. Actually, this fall. This fall so coming up in a in a few months, and yeah, and I also became a grandpa. So a lot of exciting things going on. <laughs> In the Kenyan household. In the Kenyan household. That's awesome. Absolutely. It's been a great been a great summer. Oh, congratulations. That's awesome. Um, Thanks. Well, so this morning we're talking Catholic social teaching. And Jim, you mentioned you're coming in with 30 years experience. And in our first guest, Sister Lynn Marie, uh, she worked for the Diocese of Sioux Falls uh, as a canon lawyer for, she said, up to 33 years. Um, so there's a lot of experience, and I pray a lot of wisdom coming forth with us. So thanks for your time this morning. So Catholic social teaching, uh, Jim, give us a sense, where did this come from? Where do these teachings come from? You know, obviously, I mean, the, the most foundational piece, you know, and, and the, the challenge whenever you talk about Catholic social teaching is you end up with people who get all excited about politics. And for me, I have to come back to the concrete, real Jesus Christ, who has a sacred heart that's inflamed and on fire for love of us who calls us to live a life of generosity and service, who fundamentally teaches us that the law is the law of love, and, and, and who, who, who over and over and over again, in every single instance, communicates to us the priorities for the widows, the poor, disenfranchised, the hungry, the sick. You know, it's an extraordinary, after 30 years, actually 32 years of working for Catholic Charities, I don't see it as politics. I see these as real human beings, real families, real communities that struggle in, in realities of poverty that are that are unprecedented in the United States. I, I'm privileged to do that in the Diocese of Rapid City with five reservations, many of them as the poorest in, in the world. And so this is really about the heart of the gospel, and it's about the sacred heart. 
and our desire to imitate that and live that uh, passionately. Well, I, um, I'm loving what you're saying, and I think it's so important because then we, what we're starting to do is um, we're starting to take the sense of responsibility. Sister spoke beautifully about responsibility, uh, charity and responsibility in that relationship. But um, wanting to explore, you know, there's a certain sense, well, there's a spirituality to that. And that's what you're diving in. And spirituality is nothing new. Um, it's, it's, this is the wisdom and the spirituality of the church. You know, uh, you refer to the Sacred Heart of Jesus uh, a couple of times now and just inflaming our hearts to, to fuel that fire. Well, it's got to be anchored. You know, this fire, this passion uh, that we're called to and we're called to uh, really work, work toward this, work toward justice, as we've been saying this morning, but it's got to be rooted. And this is what I'm hearing you start to dig into that. One of the things um, I, I love, Jim, I love quoting from the saints. Um, and so especially, I just feel like it, it really gives anchor. It gives a, that witness to what these principles are that we're talking about. Um, one of my favorite saints, St. Saint John Paul II. As you were talking, one of the things that stood out to me, he says, man must work out of regard for others, especially his own family. You were talking about your own family this morning beautifully, but also for the society he belongs to, the country of which he is a child, and the whole human family of which he is a member. Since he is the heir to the work of generations and at the same time a share in building the future of those who will come after him in the succession of history. You know, I, I know we could, we could apply that to the principles. You can apply that to solidarity, the dignity of work and rights of workers. Uh, I've quoted him earlier, referring to his love for the poor. Um, but what I'm appreciating and love, even in the context right now, as we speak, Jim, is the first thing you shared about was your family, that you just had your, your, grand, your grandpa now. Uh, we're praying for your son who will be God willing ordained to deacon this fall. Um, but just your love for the church and the history of having worked in counseling for 30 years, the kind of things that you would have seen in that time. Um, there's so much here. Um, but for the sake of our listeners, um, if you could, again, and we've hit on it quickly, but please review with us the seven principles of Catholic social teaching. And if you wouldn't mind just giving a highlight what, what does each one of these mean? Sure. You know, the first one is, is, is the life and dignity of the human person. And really what we're saying there is we're putting that one first, because without that, without right to life, without the right um, to exist and participate in, in, in the world where we're at, none of, the other, none of the other principles make sense. So it's the foundational one. It's the one from which all things, grow, things flow. If we don't have life, you don't have to worry about, about rights and dignity. You don't have to worry about uh, solidarity. You don't have to worry about family, because none of those things exist. Those foundational issues, like the issues of abortion and euthanasia, stem cell research, death penalty, all of those kinds of questions are the fundamental question. And the first and foremost thing is, as a church, we stand up with and for each and every human being. And, and we recognize that as the most important physical reality, that each human being is a concrete communication of God's love into the world and an image of God, and that is the foundational piece. So everything else is ordered from there. The Makes second sense. principle is really a call to family, community, and participation, which is what you're talking about. You know, it, it, it is about 
you know, as beings, we, by our very nature, are social. We are herd animals. We belong to and with one another. And we support the vulnerable in, in the midst of that, and we also defend those institutions like the family, like the family, that, that are so fundamental to, to the ordering of the rest of society. I can tell you as a counselor a thousand and one times, if a child is loved, attached, bonded, and cared for in the early part of its life, so much goes wrong because we are fundamentally designed to connect. That family is foundational for the development of our conscience, our sense of other, our sense of what it is good, um, our sense of justice and charity flows foundationally from that relationship which begins between a man and a woman. And that's that second principle. The second, the third principle is really rights and responsibilities. It's to recognize that God has given each one of us capacities, given each one of us responsibilities and opportunities to bring his life and love into the world. Um, oftentimes, it's rights and responsibilities. Sometimes gets, we, we lose one of the sub-principles there, which I think is very, very, very important in our, in our modern world, because right now we're going through an expansion of government at a rate that is absolutely unprecedented. And one of the principles that come under rights and responsibilities that I, I really emphasize is that principle of subsidiarity. It's to recognize that smaller institutions and organizations should not overstep their bounds and assume responsibilities for smaller groups. So it is, it is, it is one of those rights and responsibilities that we limit the powers of government. And we don't allow government to dictate to families about education for their children, about what that should look like, that we don't let government in, interfere to come in and provide what they think a sex education might look like. We don't let government come in and interfere with our rights to participate in, 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 in religious practices. Those, those smaller organizations need to be allowed to have the freedom and flexibility to function and fulfill their rights and their responsibilities in their, in their, in their area. But larger institutions should not usurp their power nor their responsibility. Preferential option for the poor and the vulnerable, um, that's very, very simple. I mean, foundationally, it really comes down to that beautiful reading of Matthew 25, where Jesus talks about how he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. Who's going to go to heaven and who's going to go to hell? And it's very simple. Whatever we've done to the least of our brothers, we've done for him. In other words, there is a responsibility that we have to those people with disabilities, with mental illness, for those families single-parent households that are trying to figure out how to make a way and provide an opportunity for themselves and their children so they can meet the needs of their family. That foundationally is really what Christ calls each and every one of us to do, and for us to consider how we go about creating a just society in the larger realm, government structures as well. The dignity of work and the rights of workers. You know, as human beings, we're given a profound creative capacity and that work isn't just a burden. It's really the way in which I bring my God-given talent and ability to serve, to strengthen, to communicate, and to provide hope and opportunity for others. That work is profoundly creative, and it's one of the ways in which we live out that call for God. The sixth principle is that principle of subsidiarity and solidarity. It's a sense that we belong together, that we're one family of God. My gosh, is that important today. Wow, in the midst of the, the tensions we have among racial, racial divisions and community, remembering we are one family and we must move forward as a family. 
we are better together. We are better respecting and considering, appreciating, and 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 allowing those individual differences, but also to celebrate and to recognize the gifts that every community, every culture has to offer the broader world. And, Jim, and that last principle is care for God's creation. You go right ahead. Yep, we got to go to a break here soon. So if you can give us a quick synopsis. Yep. Care for God's creation is obviously recycle, save, and do the best we can to make sure we use the gifts of this earth effectively and efficiently for I'm, everybody. I'm sorry to had, had to cut you off. We need to take a break here. We're with Jim Kenyon from Catholic Social Services. Stay with us after the break. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. Baby O is 20 weeks old now, a milestone for more than one reason. This week the story takes a narrative twist, one that is inexorably real for babies and parents the world over, for a plethora of reasons. Out of respect for those who have experienced this, and I am one of them, Baby O's next installment unfolds only on our website. I will not veer from speaking the truth, but I will not trigger unnecessary pain to make my point. Exercise your discretion and prayerfully consider listening to Week 19 at speaklife139.com. Written by Allison Updahl. the number one nursing program in the nation, the University of Mary. Of more than 2,000 nursing programs nationwide, Mary is ranked number one by the National Benchmarking Service Mountain Measurement. 100% of our graduates pass their certification on the first try. And eligible nursing students receive their senior year of tuition free. Choose the best nursing program in the nation. Check us out at umary.edu nursing. That's umary.edu nursing. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm your host, Mark Holcraft, and I'm speaking with Jim Kenyon, Executive Director of Catholic Social Services in Rapid City. And he just, he before the break, he just articulated quickly uh, a little bit, uh, I guess a run-through on the Catholic social teaching, the seven principles of Catholic social teaching. Um, and w- one of the questions I wanted to ask Jim is just, um, you know, so for so much of the faith, when we're learning the faith, uh, whatever whatever aspect of the faith that it is, whether the church's teachings, you know, today we're talking Catholic social teaching and the seven principles of Catholic social teaching. Um, and so much of this really has to do with morality, 
the church's teaching on how do we live out morality. But as we learn what the, what the principles are, one of the things is how do we apply this to our lives today? How can we make sense of this? What does this look like on a practical end, but also as the very beginning of our segment with you, um, the spiritual end? It's got to be grounded and rooted. Uh, can you please absolutely. share with us some insights? Yeah, you know, absolutely. And, and you know, I oftentimes say this to Bishop, uh, all the bishops who I've worked with here, I'm, I'm on my fourth bishop in the Diocese of Rapid City, but, you know, um, I always say this to him. You know, I have got the best job, and you've got the worst job. You have to deal with all the administrative headaches, all the challenges, all the trying to make sure that what's being taught is the entire deposit of faith. And you'll be held accountable for all eternity to the end of the time as being our shepherd for making sure that every dollar, every asset of the Church meets God's call. And that's a tremendous challenge. And he has to deal with very complex questions and people mad about moving his pastor. I get to live the heart of the gospel at Catholic Small Services. I'm privileged to see the face of the poor each and every day in so many different ways. From programs like Uplifting Parents, where we help single moms get a job, skill, or education, where they finish a degree. Like this spring, nine single moms walked across the podium and got a, got a degree that is going to provide them an opportunity to move forward and meet the needs of their kids and their family for the rest of their life and get off all the subsidies that they've had to rely on from assisted housing and health care and, 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 and food stamps and all those things. These women have been empowered, and now they're in a place where they've got tremendous gifts like these young women that become nurses and step into critical need shortage areas to provide for for sick people in our community. And, and and I get to help provide a small stipend for them to help them do that, or or whether it be um, giving a car to a family that needs it, or the $330,000 we were able to give people involved in the COVID pandemic who literally couldn't pay their utilities. Um, to be able to, to, to use the gifts of the Church, those donors that step forward, who understand and see the needs of their brothers and sisters, and step forward to help support us in this effort. And what a privilege. The gospel is about our heart. And so often as Catholics, we're tempted to believe that really what this is all about is we have to form people right, and I think that's true. And we have to have great liturgies, absolutely. But what those two things are to do is to drive the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ into the world. To be life, to be love, to be leaven. That's that's what we're called to be as Catholic people. And we do that with our kids. We do that with our neighbors. And we do that with, with people who live in Africa and are starving to death. It's the heart of the gospel. That's how we, we make it relevant to our lives. We respond like Jesus did. Well, as I think about what you're saying, Jim, and I, what I appreciate is it's, very, it's a very everyday it's, it's part of our call to holiness in everyday living. You know, it's not that we have to go so far out of our way to do it. Some of us, absolutely. If we can and we're able, do it. Um, but it's also very doable within our own office, within our own home. That's actually where it needs to happen first, our everyday living. You were sharing the story about the, the opportunity, did you say nine women received their, their degree? Uh, Unbelievable, through Uplifting Parents Programs. So, um, and 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 we have we, we have a need for thirty more moms where we're going to provide a stipend, intensive case management to help them 
move out of generational poverty. Uh, and, and you should see the pride in these women when they when they get that degree and they come in here to tell me they've got their first job and, and they're ready to go. Um, it's incredible. Um, what an honor to be a part of that. And our donors that help us do that, the foundation that's helping us do that, and the research that, that the University of Notre Dame is doing for free because of the power of this dynamic program to overcome poverty in a way that, that is unprecedented. It's amazing to be able to do that each and every day. Well, I'm reminded uh, years ago, my own mom was a registered nurse for a county jail uh, in Stanislaus County in California. And um, she she had difficult hours. You know, she had a swing shift where some, some days her shift was in the day and sometimes the, her shift was through the night. But she got to know some of the um, some of the the women. Uh, there was a women's facility, so some of the women who were in this county jail, and because they were in there for sometimes up to a month at a time, or there's different programs. And I just remember there was one particular instance where there was a young lady who was taking advantage of the rehabilitation program. You know, not not just because of drugs and whatnot, but really the full package of what it offered to help her get back on her feet. And that young lady ended up, she finished, she completed her GED through a special program that was offered through the county. My mom helped with part of that process. And in all the years that she worked in that county jail, there were very few times I ever saw her so excited, not just because she felt like what she was doing, that it really was making a difference, but she got to experience and see the fruits, not just of her labor, but the labor of this this young woman who was really trying to make changes in her life, you know. And and certainly, this is this is really at the heart of what we're talking about, you know. Whether it becomes and leads to a point of conversion, you know, a new relationship with the Lord, um, but also just making right and kind of making straight that path for them. Um, and so just your instance of that example, I guess that example that you gave reminded me of that. But also, what stands out to me is that was right in and through her daily life of work. And, and it doesn't have to be that we're working at, a, you know, at the extreme setting of working at a county jail or not. She's a registered nurse. When she became an RN, she was not thinking she would go to work at a county jail. And, and I think for a lot of us, a lot of our listeners, it's right around the corner for us or right in front of us how we can embody not just these Catholic social teachings, but how we can in turn really be Christ for others. Um. Jim, absolutely. We have a couple minutes before our next break, and I would just love if you can even uh, summarize a little bit because some of the basics I think that people forget. And we, we've talked about the seven principles of Catholic social teaching, and and you've certainly articulated beautifully. I think um, some foundational a foundational spirituality, which is the the life of the church, um, but some basic principles or some basics that people have a tendency to forget when it comes to how do we live these out. Yeah, and, and to be honest, Mark, these are very exciting conversation, and this should really be a 10-part series. I'll just be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it is so amazing to, to see the deposit of faith, this gift that we have received, this calling to live a life of love, gives meaning and purpose to, my, to everyday existence. And, and sometimes, you know, you, you go to these uh, programs where you have an opportunity to feed the homeless in your city. And, and I've been able to do that with my own children, with my son who sat there with a little kid who was running, who, who needed something. And he looked at me and he said, Dad, can I give her mine? 
that moved his heart. As an eight-year-old little boy, he understood for the first time. For sure. What other people face. And when we have that kind of experience, it transforms us. The poor, it isn't that I know that I'll change their world. It's they've changed mine. I get to see the real love of Christ in the world in which I live when I get to do what I get to do every day. And as Catholic people, if we're not struggling to figure out, do we give this dollar to this person or not? If we're not struggling with, you know, um, am I in a position maybe this year not to buy a new car, but maybe make sure that, that my niece, who's, who's coming from a single-parent household, has an opportunity um, to participate in soccer. You know, we all know the poor in our midst, some better than others. But, but we're in a privileged place, and only when we realize we have enough are we able to understand the need of another and live like Christ lived every day. What a beautiful faith! I, you know, I, Jim, I, I almost want to end right there, but we have we have another minute, we have another minute and a half or so before the break. But something I would I do want to do is, you know, at the top of I almost at the top of the hour at the beginning of our segment I should say, you know, we talked a little bit about the foundation and where does this come from, you know, and it, I think we it's so important for us to yield to the authority of Scripture. You know, and so just some, I just want to speak to a couple of different scriptural verses that really tie in everything that Jim and I have been talking about so far this morning, but also it gives us a sense of, so where does it talk about Catholic social teaching? Well, you're not going to see the words Catholic social teaching in scripture. Um, What you see are examples and what it looks like all over the place. So even Old Testament, it's not just a story. Exodus chapter three, but the Lord said, I have witnessed the affliction of my people in Egypt and have heard their cry. I know well what they are suffering. Therefore, I have come down to rescue them and lead them up from that land into a good and spacious land. God desires good for his people. Um, And then fast forward, Gospel of Luke. Which of these three, in your opinion, was neighbor to the robber's victim? He answered, the one who treated him with mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. There's so many more there's so many more scriptural examples we can give and will give, but we need to bring this part of the segment to a close. Uh, Jim, thank you so much uh, for your time this morning and sharing with us. I hope that we can have you again. When we come back, we'll be joined with our next guest in studio. That would be Tim Moser. You're used to hearing him on the air, but he's actually coming to us as a guest this time, working for the Respect Life Office of the Diocese of Fargo. Stay with us.